Thanks for coming. I'm Chelsea. Hello. Um, welcome to Artisan Church. Thank you, Jenny. Uh, and actually, can I, on the spot, ask your name? Other participant? Luke. Luke. I'm Chelsea. Nice to meet you. I didn't have a name tag, and I can't read yours, so awesome. Awkward. Um, we're in the season of Lent. It can be a combination of uh, heavy reflection or life-giving hard choices and a mix of both of those things. Um, it's an interesting story of how I came to about, uh, be the, being the human up here um, uh, as, a, as a galvanizing human this morning. Um, I think Nelson or Scott was probably early on deck for this morning. And then with spring break and holidays, they asked Carrie to take over, who's on our lead team. And Carrie and her um, wife, Crystal, had a family bereavement, so they're sadly away this week. And so I stepped in. So it's an interesting um, uh, church collection finding our way together. And I think there's no better way to do that well than focusing on a Lectio Divina style morning. We started doing that more and more once every maybe six weeks or once a quarter, looking at scripture and the word together and hearing what you have to say. So this morning will be a lot more of that and a lot less of this particular carpet and this microphone. Um, so prepare your heart, prepare your ears to engage maybe in more than you thought um, you bargained for when you rolled up uh, this morning. Really exciting. Um, here we go. No, that's uh, fine. I have, I have tippy toes. There we go. Um, yeah, Nelson is, is also away. Um, and Terry, uh, our other pastor, is away with him, their partners, their husband and wife. So it's interesting that capital P pastors are gone and we're all here um, and what that means both for staff and lead team and attendee and youth. And it's just really a fun time. It couldn't be more uh, flat and horizontal. And, and I'm really excited to listen to all of what you have to say. I had to dig in a little bit about why Lectio Divina, a, a classic style of reading scripture, which I'll introduce more at length, um, is important to carry forward into modern Christian practice. Um, I think I have a slide that describes this wheel of what it is. Yeah, these are my very quick and dirty slides. I'm not rehearsed at this, so, so bear with me um, for, the, for the formatting. Um, Lectio Divina means reading of God, basically, into scripture. And it's not just reading of text. It's letting the text and God read you back. And it increases that dialogue that I'm gonna use the vertical axis to describe your relationship with God that is um, less interfered with, with the world around you. Um, how do you interact with the sacred in, in your being and how do you hold that? And a way of repeating and, and sitting with scripture a couple different times, um, these Latin words are kind of how it's originated, lectio, meditatio, oratio, and contemplatio, basically to read and to meditate and to pray and to contemplate. I'm gonna to choose today to read uh, each version of how we interact with the scripture this morning from a different version of scripture. I think that even adds more voices than are in this room, and those have each been developed over different times of the historical church um, thought, and different people were in the room writing those things. So typically you read it four times. This morning we already had a really dynamic reading from Matt. Thank you very much. Where's Matt? He's probably already helping somewhere else because he's that guy. Um, and so the intent of that first reading is to listen without strain. And he put dynamism in the way he read. I'm so thankful. 
Um, and, but that, that let us absorb it without strain. Um, we're gonna read through the loop passage, which is challenging. Uh, I tried to get myself out of it. Scott gave me a pass if it felt too heavy to hold together, um, but I think we can handle it, and I think the world needs us to not turn away from heavy things, so we're gonna sit with it a little bit. Um, and we're going to then read it again, and I've borrowed a First Nations version of the Bible, and in that reading, we will reflect and ponder, and if it was a meal, we'd be chewing on it at this stage. Um, so that's what we're going to notice. The fourth, uh, third reading, pardon me, is a prayerful reading. You're going to notice more deeply in those passages, and I'll, I'll review that when we get to that stage. I've chosen um, the one that's kind of my daily driver, um, the ESV, or NIV might be someone else's. In that one, maybe relate to it. If, if this was a meal that you are consuming to nourish you, this would be tasting it, pausing and, and tasting what is happening in it. And finally, we're gonna contemplate together. Um, I'm gonna land on the message for that version. The message was a translation done by Eugene Peterson. He worked out of UBC, or the Vancouver region and the UBC campus for a long time. He's since passed, um, but he wrote a more uh, colloquial or plain language reading of scripture for us. And that's maybe the, the most easy to digest um, and to, to land with. And with that, you want to metabolize the scripture. You want to digest its sweetness. And what is the benefit of nutritious spiritual life is how it outworks in, in your world in an invitation. So how does this give you calories to go about your, your week between gatherings? is how I would like to land. And on that note, I'm gonna surrender the mic to the room and really invite you to have um, brought forward or to choose to speak um, out loud what you've been working through as we've, as we've worked through some challenging passages. Um, before we continue though, um, Spencer, I would like to go all the way to the very last slide, the very sketchy, Ugly, that one. Yeah, perfect. So <laughs> this is how a uh, look inside how maybe my mind might come to reminding myself why this is important. And I'm going to invite you into this by kind of exposing the spider web of, of how I think a little bit. So artisan, we have lectionary texts. Um, I'm going to walk you through it. You don't feel like you have to read it. But we have these lectionary texts. So there's um, the whole global Christendom reads certain passages of scripture. This morning, a really neat um, interaction happened where my roommate had her boyfriend over and they're having breakfast this morning and he was off to his Catholic service and he described that they were about to read about a fig tree and planting and pruning. I was like, are you serious? That's what we're reading. So he's going downtown, came to know uh, a faith or a posture towards Christ in a certain context for himself and in a different denomination in a different building, they're reading the same thing. And that felt so life-giving for me to know over breakfast, someone I don't know that well is about to encounter the same text and we talked about it this morning already. So the lectionary text is important to place us in a global understanding uh, of how we view our relationship with Christ and each other. Now the lectionary texts point to this Lectio practice that we're about to do together. Lectio practice that we just described, this wheel, an exercise we're about to do, um, comes out of a history of um, 
ecumenical mysticism. And that is something that I wanted to explore, but I heard about it growing up, and ecumenical means that inter-denominational um, or without rigid boundaries um, relationship with the same faith. That's what we have, and that's what we have even more now as we've unplugged a little bit from a historical denomination that we've been a part of. And mysticism is relating to the mis mysteriousness of God and the complexities of some of those unknowns. Now that's scary, and mysticism can be narrow and navel-gazing and a little bit selfish if that's only the only way you interact with God. So I wanna make sure we don't equate um, a mystical experience or going away and reading and engaging with, with scripture as only a personal experience and why we owe it to each other to air out with each other our moments with God and, and how neat that is. Um, some might call it a camp high if you have a deep prayerful moment, that kind of experience if you've been off to a camp or a church retreat and um, you have this great encounter with God or the forest or scripture, or your creator or your best friend and it all uh, feeds into your life. But to bring it back together, we need to integrate it with our lyrics of our worship or the way we practice leadership or all that thing, that stuff. So that's bringing back together. So we have to take our personal experiences and fold them back in to our collective being. And that's part of what uh, these Sundays, which I think will occur more and more, are all about. And why do we want to leave space for each other? That's not uh, saying that you have a hole in you that you need filled by someone else. There's not a deficiency in you by waiting for someone else to also share. And I'm gonna show you an image in a sec of why this is cool for me. Um, I think we all have neat experiences that God gets to draw on when he's trying to teach us something. And for me, when I was trying to understand why hearing from each other as a collective is so important and transformative, the image of a particular font came to mind. Does anyone know what a font is? Yeah, yeah, fonts, right? Typefaces, every shape is carefully crafted, carefully crafted, um, often for specific purposes, and this starts to shape how fonts are formed over time. Um, so I have a picture of a font, if we can go to just one of those. So why does this, does this bee look kind of strange, blown up? It's a little bit quirky, right? So this is from a typeface or a font, a family of fonts called Bell Centennial. A man named Matthew Carter designed it and specifically for um, uncoated, very thin, uh, porous paper that is the yellow pages. One of the most well-read things at a time on the planet. If you're under a certain age, you probably don't know what the yellow pages are. It's pre-Google. Um, but that ink would bleed on those pages and if the character, the font, the little type, was heavy set in its hard, rigid lines, it wouldn't account for the ink that bled onto the paper. So you need to customize these um, font pieces so that they can account for what it's like to live together in the environment in which they're interacted. So I don't think, personally, that leaving space for each other and to hear from each other is a deficiency in how we're wired. It is a part of the plan for how we're meant to have a capacity to receive from each other. So my brain saw that as a weird letter B in my brain from God. <laughs> um, that's how I experienced it. But dot gain is the process of ink bleeding together and I would hope that we come together and uh, express some of that. If we go back to the weird list, um, dot gain occurs less on glossy paper, okay? Glossy things. iPads don't have dot gain because they're not ink on paper. 
Um, I don't want a glossy life. I don't want to know only your glossy life. That is a disservice to getting under the skin of who you are and how God's working in you. So if and when things about scripture, about life together, about how this church works as a group uh, rubs against how you want to show up here, say something. And that is part of how we will adapt to the poorest paper that is our, our very short lives. So I want porous people, and I want to be a porous person, and I want to be reformed as a typeface that can hold um, complexity and, and stuff like that. So that's to me how I came about relearning that Lectio is important because we are a new typeface for a new time, and we're, we're a group of people. Okay, thanks. <laughs> back, back to the top, please, Spencer. Um, okay. With that, I'm gonna settle in and get out of my fun, anxious, eclectic brain and let you do the same and unplug from me. Um, I'm gonna walk over and light some candles and that will then transition us to basically only reading uh, scripture for, our, for the next little bit. And the candles I'm gonna add, I'm gonna light them from the Trinity candles and they kind of represent what we've talked about as a, um, a Jesus-centered way or a centered set way, there's not really boundaries on how things are set up. Like there isn't boundaries on how some of this ink bleeds and how we feel about scripture. And this is a, um, this is a time to just reflect that where you are in posture to the Trinity and your experience with God is all welcome and it's all relevant to the table and the, and the sacrifice we're about to receive later and what we're about to take in. So um, let's hold a minute or two of silence uh, while, I, while I do that practice. Okay, we're now listening for um, noticing and tasting, I believe. Oh, no. Yeah, meditation, gotcha. Okay, thanks. Um, then some of the people were told, creator sets free about the people from Circle of Nations, Galilee whom spear of the great water had put to death and mixed their blood with their own ceremonial offering. He said to them, do you think it was because of their bad hearts and wrongdoings that they suffered? Do you think that their hearts were worse than all the others of the circle of nations, Galilee? No, I say to you, but if you, the people of the village of peace or Jerusalem, do not change your ways of thinking and take on a new path. You will all die in the same way. What about the 18 people on whom the tower in Sending Village or Siloam fell? Do you think they were worse than all the others living in the village of peace, Jerusalem? 
No, I say to you, but if you, the people of the sacred village of peace, do not change your ways of thinking and take on a new path, you will all die in the same way. So he told them this story. There was a man who planted a fig tree in his garden. But then, when it came time to find fruit, there was none. He said to the keeper of the garden, I have been looking for fruit on this tree for three seasons, and I have found none. Cut it down. Why waste good dirt on it? But the garden keeper answered the man, give me another season. I'll dig around it, dig around the tree, and fertilize it. If there's no fruit after that, I'll cut it down. minutes here. You'll want to take note of, um, if you have a pen or paper, uh, or just remember it, something that you were reflecting on or that you noticed. By now we will have heard this passage twice. Matt read it, then I read it in a different version. Um, there's two calamities. One had a mass killing of people that happened by the ruling government. is horrendous. And it's sacrificed with blood. That feels fairly heavy, no doubt. The second calamity that is discussed um, news of the day were what felt like locals to them. And that was kind of an act of God, an accident of a tower falling, um, senseless almost, unexplainable. Both they're looking to Jesus to help explain. And um, yeah, that's, that's challenging. Here we're gonna read that same heaviness, but in a different wording. Yeah.
Yes, I'm sorry. Thank you for asking. Luke 13, correct, verses 1 through the end of 9. Thank you for asking. No, I should have said again. You're right. Kit, can I ask your name? My name is Michelle. Michelle? Nice to meet you. Thank you for saying something. Cool, cool. Thank you for that. I needed it. So here we go. Luke 13, verse 1. There were some present at that time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? Pardon me. Because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, I will, you will all likely, likewise perish. This is a guide here. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came to seek fruit on it and found none. And he said to his vine dresser, look, for three years now, I have come seeking fruit on this tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. And then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. So what do you, what do you relate to in this? there a word or a phrase that stuck out to you in the different types of readings in a different way? This is the time to feel that noticing. Hunger for fruit in our community. Spiritual fruit. Living spirit. If not, we're dead. Amen. 
repeating for the podcast and those at home. Let's move on to the last reading, a different version again, again called The Message. Here as you listen, listen for an invitation. Um, they're heavy passages, but it doesn't have to land as a heavy mandate at all. Wow, I, that word is loaded now. Holy smokes. <laughs> you know, things just take a different shape. Oh, wow. Um, digest it sweetness. Um, there is sweetness to be found in most books of the Bible, in most meanings, in uh, the effect, the impact should be love lived out. So look for that. See how the calories land with you as you digest it. I'll read it from the message here. About that time, some people came up and told him about the Galileans Pilate had killed while they were worshiping, mixing up their blood with the blood of their sacrifices on the altar. Jesus responded, do you think those murdered Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? Not at all. Unless you turn to God, you too will die. And those 18 in Jerusalem the other day, those ones crushed and killed under the Tower of Siloam collapsed and fell on them. Do you think they were worse citizens than all the other Jerusalemites? Not at all. But unless you turn to God, you too will die. Then he told them a story. A man had an apple tree planted in his front yard. He came to it expecting to find apples, but there weren't any. He said to his gardener, what's going on here? For three years now, I've come expecting apples and not one have I found. Chop it down. Why waste good ground with it any longer? And the gardener said, let's give it another year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it and maybe it'll produce next year. If it doesn't, then we'll chop it down. Notice invitations in this one. the floor up, walk into this room full of candles. Um, I'd love to know, uh, if you haven't already shared and shouted out, thank you, what of anything is sitting with your challenges or your invitations, noticings, or a sweetness? It's valid if there is none of those. I see that hand. I'm going to walk over. Uh, there we go. And just for the uh, podcast or recordings or the uh, folks on the video, I'm going to use the microphone. Um, so actually like the specific number and this is interesting because like three years ago I had like a, an instigating event which started a journey that has really changed my faith life a lot but the last like month and a half I've been looking at all of these like scenarios and relationships in my life going like oh if there's any fruit here like I think it's bad fruit and so like 
was I wrong to change my mind? Or like, should I go back to the person that I was before? Um, and like also so much of this has to do with like fear that I'm holding to like bad doctrine. And so like there was two invitations in this. Like first of all, when it says, unless you turn to God, you too will die. It's like an invitation and a reminder that um, like my correct thinking is not what saved me. And like the only thing that I'm called to believe in is Jesus. And that is enough. And then the second thing is just that the gardener does not want to chop down the tree yet. And there's that invitation just to wait a little bit longer for fruit, just another year. Thanks so much. Would you mind sharing your name? Kirsten. Kirsten. Yeah. Kirsten, thank you so much. Ooh, I know this name. Darby, bassist, extraordinary. Um, what stood out to me, um, kind of the vision of this tree and the expectancy of fruit and kind of the coming back and the expecting, but then kind of realizing that the work hasn't been done to fertilize. And that really stood out to me because I think so often in our personal lives and in our community, we want to see fruit, we want to see fruit, and then we get disappointed. But where is kind of the the work of stewarding that and investing and fertilizing. And I think lots of times we want the fruit without kind of the toil. And so it was a really good reminder for me of how can I kind of do that work and steward and then see the fruit later. And it might take a while, but yeah, recognizing where I can invest and do the work instead of just expecting fruit without that. Thanks, Derby. Oh, okay. Get my steps in. Um, I'm Audrey. Yeah, sorry for making you get your steps in. Um, working off of what Darby said, I was struck in one of the translations that you read, it said manure instead of fertilizer. And as a crazy plant lady, the way I often fertilize my plants is with you know, potato water, pasta water those little sticks that you put in the soil, it's clean or it's not stinky manure. And I grew up on a farm and I know what manure smells like and it's disgusting. Um, or if you grew up on the prairies, it's manure season and you can't drive in the fields without gagging. Um, and that is the season, it's the growing season. It's the beginning of spring when things start to thaw that you, you spread literally the crap everywhere. And it's hearkening back to what Lawrence shared a few weeks ago now with Kate Buller's Crappy Diem. <laughs> Themes, yeah. Um, so I'm just thinking like, I think sometimes fertilizer is embracing the crap. It's Carpe Diem, or Crappy Diem. Um, and that's hard. And so much of what we do is we, we, or what I do, maybe I'll speak for myself, is avoid the crap. And it's avoiding the messy, stinky, disgusting things that make us gag, but maybe, Maybe, and I'm not saying all the time, I want to qualify that, maybe, sometimes, embracing the crap of life is what turns it into fertilizer and what helps us grow instead of avoiding it.
I like to draw comparisons between between the two um, parables here, uh, and I and for me personally, I see how um, in the first parable, but better than the Galileans, um, I see how I I need to be constantly constantly reminded to ground myself and to you know understand that we are all sinners, or that I am always a sinner, and. Um, and uh, so I'm no better than anybody else, especially what I'm going through right now. And uh, the second parable is, uh, is, I see a little bit of that, that fellow who says, well, you know, why don't I just dig around here a little bit and we'll check it out next year. And uh, so I see that as a community, something that I have now that will give me a second chance and, uh, you know, give me that second chance so that I can possibly bear fruit in the future. And uh, so that's, that's kind of how I see that uh, right now, to continue to ground myself and uh, remember that uh, there are many around me who are helping me right now. Thank you so much. The noticing of the destruction and the toppling of the tower, and of course my, my thoughts were with Ukraine and what they are suffering. For myself, the invitation was repentance, the invitation to repent and see fruit. Thank you. I see um, uh, a challenge, and that's the challenge of patience, and that we, we often see things just from our own timeline or viewpoint, but often I think there's a, a broader, deeper, longer-term story unfolding, which we don't always uh, are privileged to see from every viewpoint. So letting a fruit uh, tree go for yet another year, we probably do this if we have kids. Uh, with our kids, just wait a little longer. It'll bear fruit just around the corner. Uh, and I think that can be extrapolated um, to very higher levels. And then maybe a noticing is like you mentioned with uh, Ukraine, it does raise the, the problem of evil in the world. If there's a benevolent God, how do we account for all the things in life that are very difficult to reconcile? Um, personally, illnesses, death, um, it's uh, something to ponder. We got a little bit more time. Oh. Sir, can I grab your name? Todd. Todd. Hi, Todd. And I'm Diana. Diana. Diana, thank you. Josh. 
This morning, I was struck by two things on the news, and it very much rhymes with these parables. So the first thing is uh, the brutality of what's going on on the eastern side of Ukraine right now. And uh, there's the pilot thing. And then the second piece was uh, really the climate crisis. And, uh, you know, we had a maximum temperatures eclipsed by five degrees in the summer. Well, uh, Antarctica's just on 30 degrees. So that's the tower. It's uh, kind of our home falling in on us. And uh, I liked the way that you framed both of those as, uh, you know, we could, one of them feels more like it's uh, not at the hand of a particular individual, whereas the, the other one feels like it's uh, an act of evil. And yet Jesus turns our attention to us and he doesn't try to explain it. He doesn't try to solve that uh, Gordian knot of the, the problem of evil and how that squares theologically with, with uh, a good and powerful God in the world. He doesn't do that. He just, he just looks us in the eye and says, your move, how are you going to orient yourself? Thanks very much. My name's Greg. Uh, what I noticed was um, the nature of repentance in the parable of the tree. And it wasn't just, we'll wait another year and scrutinize. It was uh, nurturing. And I guess the, the words that came to mind was college try, like actually give it a try and treating it, treating it respectfully and, and um, caring for it. And so I guess that what came to mind is judgment to other people, like uh, in terms of how one might behave and how I might judge them, thinking, have I nurtured them? Have they received the nurturing they needed? So that's uh, something I noticed. Thanks, Greg. Coming, Jenny. I want to piggyback on that. Um, for me, what I noticed was the word or the phrase in all of the um, versions, cut it down. <laughs> just stood out to me and I just kept hearing, cut it down. And I think um, for me, when it comes to maybe more of the personal um, things in life, like taking care of people you love or noticing people when they're going through hard times, um, wanting fruit in their lives, wanting them to be filled and happy and joyful and all these things and um, feeling like I 
am trying to be that friend in a lot of people's lives and then um, I don't know it, it doesn't always seem to matter <laughs> how much I care or something and I feel like often I just why do I care I just I don't care sometimes like I'll just be like I don't care anymore I want to cut it down I want to cut down this care for these people um, but um, that's where I realize it's not about me and what I can do and that God is always nurturing us and um, that I want to know how to exist um, in tandem with the fertilizing and nurturing spirit of God and in my friends' lives. And um, I sometimes feel stoked that God is up to something and it'll be surprising how, how we're affected. And then other times I'm like, I just want to cut it down. I don't care. But then I'm like, oh, it's not about me again. Um, and how I feel discouraged or whatever. So, one or two more minutes. It's also a reminder that if this is your very first time here, and this is very weird, uh, you're also super welcome to put your hand up and ask for the mic. Um, your presence here isn't probably an accident. That's not how I see it. So love to hear from you if you're wondering if this moment's for you. Hari Sundo. My name is Randall Bear. Uh, grateful to be here and speak with all of you. Um, I really appreciated hearing from the First Nations version today, obviously. Um, but yeah, what stood out to me was the walk in a new path. Walk on a new path. I feel like my people have heard repent or die for way too long. So simply walk in a new path is a lot more easy to digest and acceptable and preferable. In my language we say suninya, which means walk in a good way. And that's usually how we'll end a conversation. Awetsa suninya, walk in a good way, walk on a good path. And so yeah, that was the invitation I heard in this, was today from my Bach creator, walk in a good way. So, Nachalia. Paul, I was I was thinking about how how there's like this eternal nature to the kingdom of God in this story, and how there's an invitation to live and to participate in in new life and the sweetness of fruit, and um, how how it. it there's no, there's no end to the life of the kingdom of God because even if it does get cut down, the, everything that gets cut down will end up becoming compost and will end up enriching the soil. And new growth will come out of that. And, and, and it's like, for me, when I think about my relationship with God it's I've got this choice to to live or die or to participate or not participate 
and I could spend a lot of energy trying to get it right and trying to walk this balance of righteousness and trying to determine what I think is right and wrong in the minds of other people who are offending me. I could do that, but it's like, unto what purpose? Like, am I really going to arrive at this place of certainty? And I guess I just, I love that Jesus brought brought the people away from this idea that he's like, look, do you really want to spend your time figuring out whether or not these people deserved to die like the tower fell on them? Is it because they were sinners, like worse than you? Was that, is that, is that the takeaway here? Like they deserved it. They must have deserved it. God let it happen. And it's like, it's like Jesus is saying, like you're getting too dialed in to the particularities. And he's like, back away, come with me back away to like something lighter. It's like, makes it more personal. Like don't, don't get caught up in the rights and wrongs, back away and just participate in the life that could be, that is just gonna go on. It's gonna go on and on and on. And it's our choice whether or not we get to participate in it or not. And, and I, I just, I love, I love the beauty of that the eternal nature of it all. Thanks, Paul. Okay, I need to switch gears on notes here. The table liturgy is, I think, what's next? Yeah. Um, thank you, everyone, for participating. Um, it's been really uh, fruitful for me to um, hear out of uh, divine voices that aren't mine uh, how you sit with this passage, how it shapes you. Um, while, while I think God is, is a massive part and is the center of a Jesus-centered effort at being a collective church, uh, we're reminded that often touching arms and, and hearing from the saints, the participants in his work, it is often how we see God the brightest, and today I felt like I got to watch and learn and hear God through many of you. That's been an honor.